0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to, uh, to the podcast. It's been literally a month since we recorded. I was talking to Ryan right before we jumped on about like literally the number of days it's been since we last recorded. And June 9th was the last day that we put something together. So uh, today's July 13th. We've, we haven't we have caught up in a bit. Uh, not me and Rian, uh with you all lovely people. Um, but we're back. we are back talking footy just because there really wasn't that much going on before like the women's zero started. There was Wimbledon. Wimbledon happened, but that's not football related. Um, what else happened? Rian went to Montreal to see uh, the grand Prix, which was sick. Um, what else happened in the last oh. like month?
1: Um. Uh, oh, Boris Johnson resigned.
0: No, Boris. Yeah. <laughs> huge, huge news. <laughs> That's not even football related. It's just, just fun news at that point. Um, yeah. I do know.
1: That was, I that guess. was funny. Cause it was like, um, cause he and, and uh, our, our former president had a lot of similarities, but it's funny cause in the end he kind of had, he had at least the slightest bit of shame and was like, yeah, I, it's probably done for me. Here.
0: <laughs> and it was like, I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah. And I think so did like the rest of his government.
1: Um, yeah because they yeah, all, all kind of was,
0: signed off they signed yeah, off they took they a summer all resigned friday. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah very extended friday. summer friday so yeah god that happened too um there are probably things that happened like three weeks ago that i don't even remember happened yeah, at this point i moved
1: uh i, I moved into a new place rion moved i wasn't yeah. sure
0: if you wanted me to say anything and give away your address yeah well, i was gonna say i wasn't gonna <laughs> give away my address <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah yeah rion rion lives in now like if you've ever seen that meme and I said it to him of like the stereotypical guy's apartment, like, yeah, that's, that's basically <laughs> it. He's got one couch, not even a couch, just one chair, like a TV setup, up mattress I mean, on the it, floor. Not even a chair. <laughs> my, ma- my,
1: my, my, my mattress is on the same frame as it was in my last way. So my bedroom still looks pretty much the same as the last one, but. Yeah, no, not even the not even a lawn chair or anything out there right now. So, it's uh I have like I got like curtain rods and stuff, but I'm honestly probably going to get like uh what's it called? Um uh not not Postmates, the other one. Um DoorDash? No, 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 not the not food. Uh, Postmates was the bad thing to start with, but <laughs> uh TaskRabbit
0: oh yeah i was, I was like r- really lost when you said yeah that. yeah i don't know why postmates was the first thing that came
1: to mind but no i'm gonna probably just get a task rabbit right to hang a bunch of stuff here because i need to like hang the tv and the yeah. curtains off some shelves and and if i try to do that all in one day i'm gonna go crazy so
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah being I, an adult is is really hard out here yeah yeah so
1: i'm in this like space where with the tv I don't even I wanted to mount it like almost immediately as I moved in but then I was like I'm not gonna get a I'm not gonna have a couch for another probably a couple of weeks and it was like it would be insane for me to have the tv mounted and no couch <laughs> and I like was a just psychopath like, yeah I was just thinking about the thought of like standing in my living room like the people across from me who can like see into my like who can currently see into my windows because I don't have the curtains up yet but the thought of them like late at night like looking over and I'm just like <laughs> standing <laughs> watching tv <laughs> in, in my living room was just a maniac so <laughs> yeah. Horrifying. yeah so right now I have the tv in my
0: room but but um, thank god yeah, when you put it like that and you add context, that really just changes the perception of who you are as a human. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to see Rian's place when he eventually has people over to his non-standing room only um, apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, um, gosh, I'm taking a trip coming up in a little less than a month, like two and a half weeks, three weeks, just trying to actually... Oh my God, it'll be my first time out of the country in three years. I just realized that it'll be my first time out of the country in three years. so um I'm excited to take a real proper vacation um truly vibe as they say other than that what what else you been have you been watching any like the friendlies like the I know United played Liverpool and no. Bangkok God no okay yeah no i I figured, I figured <laughs> no. um this might be the first year that I
1: I mean, I'm sure I'll, I'll watch some parts of uh, Chelsea friendlies, especially since they're going to be in America anyway. So it should be really yeah. easy to do that. But no, there's no world where I'm watching. I'm, wa- <laughs> I'm not waking up early for a, yeah. for a friendly. I'm, no. I'm done with that. I did that. I feel like I did that a lot growing up, like for like our teams and, and if there were like interesting friendlies going on, but watched too much soccer to put any anything into preseason friendlies this podcast i was like i was listening to i was listening to stadio earlier and um they they like were talking about um united's like making fun of united's like win against liverpool where they beat them they beat them four nil like it was a couple days ago and they're like, uh, yeah, you can't look too much into this stuff. Like, if you remember, I can't remember how long ago it was. But that year that like, Atletico's court put like seven past Real Madrid in a preseason. Yeah. And yep. People went crazy over that. It was like, OK, yeah.
0: um, You don't have to take anything from these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that, to be fair, was like a. Like a wake up call, I think for real. Music. I do remember seven, that. Being seven was like crazy. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, what, what happened here? I think
1: I think that was when Suarez had just rejoined or something too. If I yeah, remember it was correctly. Yeah, I think twenty nineteen.
0: Yeah. There's yeah yeah because it happened in the U.S., I believe. Yeah. Um, my God, that seems like forever ago. But yeah, basically take friendlies with a massive pound of like of salts. Yeah. Everywhere because uh, they they really are just warm ups. But make
1: up it whatever you want. Like, uh, yeah, also that just if it makes you feel better. If it, if it makes you feel better about the team, then let it do
0: that for you. If you want to rant on Twitter, we, we support you to a degree, <laughs> and that degree being <laughs> basically nothing. Um, but outside of the men's friendlies and all the club games going on, there have been, at least there has been, I should say, at least one major tournament going on. Um, and that is the women's Euros, which I definitely want to talk about. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the transfer window, everything going on there as well. But we want to start with the women's Euros because I've had a chance to watch, I believe now two games, probably um, not com- in their complete entirety, but two very good games. Um, the one thing, Rian, that like honestly, I I just I wanted to point out about these games that I've seen so far. Is people I feel like talk about, and this isn't like necessarily my opinion, but people talk about the speed of the game between the men's game and the women's game just being different, right? From like in a quote unquote like athletic ability standpoint. But in watching the Euros, like the women's euros this summer, I've been like so like wildly like my eyes have had to dart around at how fast like the movement and play is and i think that's like a credit to every professional athlete like i'm like it just it shows me like when i was watching some of these games like just how impressive like the physical feats of all professional athletes are it's wild to me um it's actually been really good i texted you the other day right i was like these games are fantastic i wish more people were watching them but um yeah what are your what have you been your thoughts so far anything catch your eye any teams catch your eye
1: yeah, I think I think just as a, as a whole, I mean, this is, for those of you who don't know, like this is being held in England, like they are the host country for this. And so the first match was actually at Old Trafford, and they played Austria. They ended up winning 1-0, but they broke the record for most, for highest attendance at an English women's, um, or not English women's game, but women's game in England. Uh, I believe also for uh,
0: a European championship uh, game yeah. as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I feel like this is this tournament um, or this iteration of the tournament is kind of like the beginning. No, I don't want to say it's beginning because I think the last year or two, you've seen the women's game grow a lot, um, especially like outside of the US and outside of England and UK in general. But this is kind of the I think this is kind of the turning point in terms of the competitiveness across. More than just a couple teams in, in, in Europe in the women's Europe game. And um, I think in the past we've seen how much of a gap there is between like the four or five best women's teams in the world, not just Europe and then everyone else. Um, and and in theory, like this tournament should be kind of like the first of very, very competitive uh games and stuff. And, and funny enough, like we have seen a couple, a couple blowouts, like Speaking specifically of England's eight 0 win against Norway, who were eleventh in the world, um, and they, not to take anything away from England because they were brilliant in the game, um, and then I think we saw that France. I'll get onto France a little later because I think they've they've impressed me yeah. the most. But <laughs> uh, but just from a general like point of view of like what what this could mean, especially going into the Women's World Cup next summer. So it's it's. It's been great to watch. Like it's it's like I've I've been able to unfortunately only watch I think one game fully, and then I'm catching highlights when I get off work. It, it, and and an aside is that ESPN is is doing the tournament in the U.S. for us, um, but their highlights are terrible. It's like all like two yeah. or three minutes. So I'm watching. I, I'm fully going to like the uh, two to na YouTube channel and i'm watching the highlights from there because like those are all like at least eight seven eight minutes so i could actually see what has like more <laughs> of the game but uh, that, that's an aside again that, but um i think from a playing style point of view totally agree with you where i think there is a bit less you can tell the difference between this and the men's game just in terms of i think the amount of uh one-on-ones that are taken on by in the women's game so there's more of an emphasis on like actual attack like movement off ball movement and that's impressed me the most like specifically for france um for england in their in their win against norway and then even watching the highlights today for for spain and versus the netherlands like just really, really the off ball movement is what's impressed me the most. There's so much intricate like little triangles that you see a lot of these teams playing with. And I, I mean, I personally like that So I think Ellies and I can both agree. We personally yeah. like that style of play in the men's game the most as well. So it's, it's been really fun to watch these teams, uh, especially
0: playing attack. So you mentioned, you mentioned France, right? Um, it's so funny watching like France and Spain, like not not them I mean, it's fun watching them play but I mean like just looking at their rosters it's like watching Leon and Barcelona like it's mm-hmm. very very similar um because the majority of their starting 11s include basically players from each team respectively you mentioned France though I want to talk about their first game which was against Italy where they won 5-1 I believe they were up 5-0 at yeah. some point that, um, that was
1: that's the game that I've that's the one game that I actually watched fully through it yeah. on like a Sunday. They were, uh, and they they were really, really fun. <laughs> like I, that the, again, the off ball movement was crazy. The intricate play there, there's center forward and apologies. I'm her, her name is escaping me right now. Gayoro. Um, she, I think that was one of their midfielders gay Oro. but she, I think she had a brace or a hat trick in that. She game. She had a hat
0: trick. That's why I yeah. brought it up. Yeah.
1: But at their center forward, such an intelligent way of playing, like she she remind, and i I'll try to to as much as possible not to make the comparisons to the to other men's players, but she was giving off a very giroud vibes with the, <laughs> with the with how much she got involved in the link up play, how deep she came, and so much of their attack was based off of movement off of her like the attacking runners running off of her. I think that's how Gayoro scored one of her goals. It was the center forward came deep. Ball gets played into her and Gayoro made a run, I think like off the left side of her. And as soon as the ball goes into the center forward, she just plays one touch and flicks it through for, for Gayoro, who ends up scoring. But yeah, no, they, they, were, they were fantastic. Uh, it was Italy that they beat, right? 5-1. So I... I, 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 from what I've seen so far, it feels like France and England might be the, the favorites as of right now. But you know, what, what did you think of the the uh, France's beatdown of, of
0: Italy? I, I had the same impression, uh, specifically in their game against Italy. Um, I think they were just so utterly dominant, and like to a point where you really never felt like like this game was going to get away from them. Right. And it was one of those suffocating games where you just think, Oh, the inevitable is coming. It's the next goal. It's the next goal. It's the next goal. And I think what I loved so much about France is that they looked so defensively confident, like not, not just solid, but they looked confident like to the point where you put them, I think let's say potentially in front of England um, down the line of the, the bracket and in the tournament. I, I feel like just looking at, England versus France in terms of their rosters um, alone. I feel like France is the better team right now. And I don't think many people would disagree with that. I think there is also an important shout for Germany as well in the whole chasm of who are our top like picks to potentially be favorites for the tournament. Germany before the Spain game uh, had never lost to Spain and they continued that that streak uh yesterday and i think that just goes to show again the strength the growth of the women's game um but also yeah i i think england and france probably being two of the top two favorites and germany would be my potential shout uh as well
1: staying on the germany spain game which i i Got to catch a. I think like fifteen minutes of the first half, and then watch watch the highlights afterwards. You Note: know I, the thing that I love, like again, I, I'm already being hypocritical about this, but I kind of loved watching the two of them play, and like Germany and Spain, and they play very similar to their to their men's sides, and 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 that says more about those federations like philosophy like playing philosophies more than anything else right but it was just funny to watch especially the first goal that Spain gives up i was like oh yeah i i am positive i'm gonna see spain's men's team concede <laughs> a goal like this in the world cup this season like yeah in, in the fall and, and and then that plus germany their high press and just being in general like a counter a very counter attack team which their men's team has also turned into in the last like five or six years, not only in this game against Spain, but in their, in their first match, um, very, very counter-attacking team, but really, really efficient. And that is something that you kind of always expect from uh, German national teams. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think they like just those traits of, Spain had, what, like 70% of, of the ball in, the, in that game yeah. and and had so many chances and a lot like the Reds team, like just couldn't finish. And that being said, we do have to know like they are missing, you know, potentially the best player in the world right
0: they're now. Not, they're not just missing the best player. <laughs> were, they're missing two of the best players in the world. Like quite literally, the Ballon d'Or winner, Alexia Patea's, and the boundor runner up Jenny Hermoso. So you I I think what's interesting about Spain is you think about in the context of where they were about a year ago in their last game with Germany they drew, right? And um I'm blanking on his name. Maybe it's uh it's Jorge something is the Spanish women's national coach, um national team coach. He basically came out and said, like, we may not have won right after that draw, but, like, we are one step closer. And that was with Alexia. That was with Jenny Hermoso. Now, like, a week before the Euros kickoff, when they are going to play Germany, both of those players have to withdraw due to injuries. That's a really tough pill to swallow. And, and I thought Spain still looked impressive throughout this game. I thought they had the better chances. Through the first half, they had more attempts, uh, more attempts on goal. But two two pretty both I think were pretty poor mistakes, honestly. Um yeah. to, to let in. So yeah, I, do, it, I conceding, think there is a really conceding
1: on a corner kick too. I yeah. expect, I expect yep. <laughs> if Eric if Garcia is playing in, in guitar, <laughs> I expect that to happen for sure.
0: Yeah. So I think there are a lot of parallels to to like reiterate your point. I I'm curious to like to think about if you had to put money on a specific team? Who would that team be? Would, uh, like, I, I think we're, you're kind of in the boat. It's some combination of England or France, but I'm curious if you had to, to pick one, what would it be?
1: I, I still think the having the home advantage is going to mean a lot, especially for this tournament, for, for the women's National team here because I I do think as the tournament progresses, I expect that the attendances are going to rise even more and more these games because right now they're playing. Unfortunately, a lot of these games outside of the one that was at Old Trafford are being played at, at some of the less prestigious stadiums in England, and so I think as we get further along in the tournament, and I expect England women's team to make it far. Um, I, I think they become even more and more of favorites and, and honestly they should be because they have like a fucking phenomenal team. Yeah. Really. Like Beth, Beth Mead, I can't remember which goal it was. I think it's the second goal against Norway where she just dices up. I mean, like, literally take, you take your pick. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's fantastic leading right now in terms of goals. Um, I think she's, She's tied for the most the goal involvements right now as well for any player. So they, they, they just have a phenomenal team, um, and so I, so I'm I'm gonna keep them as like my personal favorite right now. But you can't forget about the Netherlands still. Like they are, True. they are what, the second ranked team. The the, the fourth fourth in uh, FIFA rankings for women's, and I think they. Did not have Vivian Mirama, who, for anyone who watches uh, the NW – not NWSL, yes, the Women's Super League in, in England. Like, not only is she the Netherlands' top scorer of all time, but she is the best player in, in, in England um, probably over the last, like, three years. Like, an unbelievable player to watch as well. But they missed her to, I believe, today because of COVID. She tested positive. Yeah. And so I don't know what the protocol is in England right now, but um, I we'll see if she makes it for their third group game. Like they're they're atop their group right now, but I think you can't forget about the Netherlands. Did you see the, the third goal today? No, by, are you uh, talking oh, about against, against Portugal? Yeah, yeah. No, against, I haven't. Uh, uh, look it up. I think it's Vandedong. Van I'm, I'm probably butchering her last name, but uh, – it was just uh a, a Glosso is the best way to put it. Like a such a pure strike from outside the box that <laughs> just arrowed into the corner. uh yeah, I, I think you I think you can't rule out the Netherlands still.
0: I think that's completely fair. Um I will always I'll say I always have a soft spot for Leaky Mertens. Um yeah. The fact that she's starting in this game, I think is somewhat of a byproduct of a uh, certain Vivian having COVID, um, yeah, <laughs> but but at the same time, I I don't know. I go back and forth on Lincoln Burton's in the last two years um, in terms of her injuries and how that's affected her her growth and things like that. Um, but it was nice to see her play in, I guess, the last two games for for the Netherlands as well. I'd be very curious that, um, what happens within the Netherlands third game. Uh, in the group stages because they did draw Sweden, right? In their first, uh, first game that basically doesn't mean that they have to win their third group game, um, but to make it comfortable against Switzerland, I think it's, I think not only are they favorites, but I think they, sh- um, they should, they should win that game. Um, if they really want to advance like comfortably, you know? So yeah,
1: it's, a, it's, it's a tough one. It's um I believe that's fourth versus second and in... for, wait, for Netherlands, they're playing, they're
0: playing Switzerland in their... Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I thought, thought you were saying Sweden was yeah. But... Oh, swe- oh God. No, Sweden no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. That would be very yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. Sweden, so the same Sweden who actually did beat Switzerland today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes. The one other player that I just want to shout out um, on the England side is Lucy bronze um, yeah. making her, her way now. Did she even announced that i think it was last month no yeah it was last month that she announced that um she's coming to barcelona after her city contract expired and i'm personally very excited to see that because it means one additional english woman in a star-studded team um who has absolutely dominated I, I think she's probably arguably been a top five player i mean maybe not in the most recent couple of seasons but prior to that for sure um yeah one England. of the best
1: like yeah probably one of the two or three best fullbacks women yeah. fullbacks in the world <laughs> she's she played i remember she played leon
0: before as well i'm not sure i know she played she came from city um she played at leon. yeah i think that might escape me
1: yeah i think she i think she was. Uh, in, fact checking as we speak um <laughs> this is how we do things here <laughs> um i believe she did play yeah she played for leon before going to manchester did city she? So Okay. the track okay. record is yeah that's Jeez. a pretty good
0: yeah
1: <laughs> leon manchester city barcelona yeah that's a
0: yeah that's not uh, that's awesome well okay i'm gonna go back to my final question Mother the women's Euros. oh yes yeah all right who's your um, who's your favorites actually my my favorite. You said you think France. Yeah, yeah. Mine is still France. I think I think they're defensively so dominant that, uh, like, I I would just be scared to even be around their defensive like backline. I, I like just not play against them. Let me be clear. I I wouldn't last ten seconds. But like just to be around them, they're they're very capable of stopping like brick walls. Um, and I think that goes a long way. So France is my pick. I think I think you're leaning towards England, um, like you said. I think that's fair. One question I have for you: um, Are you willing to put money on it?
1: Hmm. No,
0: I am do you, not. You, to, you don't want to make a double or nothing from the Champions League. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, between me and you, oh no, I do still owe you that that dinner. Um, oh yeah,
0: oh, you think I forgot? Oh yeah, you just <laughs> busy. Don't
1: yeah. I uh, um, think I
0: forgot. All
1: right, that's up. That's up to you. If you if you want to go double or nothing, then I'll. <laughs>
0: i mean i'm good (laughs) to answer your question i don't need to go double or nothing but for old time's sake yeah fine i'll go i'll go double or nothing um i'm not the one thing i don't know about is based on their group ranking and just the trajectory of the knockout rounds who plays who let's let's wait until the let's wait until we get the full picture all right then we can uh i'll take that i'll take that as a win honestly (laughs) all right Anything else about the women's euros? Best of luck to all teams. Um, no, no. Um, yeah, I'm really excited
1: to hopefully get to watch a lot more of these games on the weekend. Yeah. It's, been, it's been just tough during the week right now, especially because I'm if this was this last summer, it was so easy because we were just not going to <laughs> offices. So, yeah. so you that, just put that, it on the other monitor, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, it, I, I'm excited to get the time to watch it on the weekends, um, and, and Fridays, hopefully. So i'm usually at home working at home those days um sure. but between that and oh the CONCACAF, Concacaf women's championship is going on right now the usa they qualified for 2023 world, world cup, world cup. so yeah we got that going on as well and i believe the copa women's um is also happening right at this at the, so i keep seeing the highlights come up on from fox so uh, um yeah i think we got all of the those continental tournaments going on right now for the women's game and a good primer for next summer.
0: I complete. I actually did not know that the, the Copa America femenina. Fe, fem, yes, femenina, femenina, uh, fe, femenina. It says with an extra "na." Um, yes, is going on. I did not know that. That's lovely. Well, Brian, let's move over to the other half, or the other portion of the pod that you want to touch on. Um, basically, everything else news related in the men's game which is more transfer news than anything. We can talk about friendlies all day long, but no one really wants to do that. So Ryan, let's start with the biggest transfer news of, I guess, the last couple of weeks. Um, we are not going to start in Spain because we don't have an hour of time to just spend on that alone. <laughs> so we're going to start with Chelsea. We're going to start with your team. Um, it's actually something you and I haven't had a chance to talk about, and I'm very curious to talk through this with you. Raheem Sterling um, now coming to Chelsea along with Koulibaly, Chelsea apparently going after Kim Pembe as well from PSG. I forgot Kim Pembe was only 26. I thought he was older, but he's only 26. And yeah. one thing I'll mention, potentially, well, we already know. Christensen's gone. Quetta might be on his way out. Marcus Alonso might be on his way out. Hakim Ziyech, probably on his way out. So... I'm curious about right now how you feel about the nature of let's start with the incoming players. And then I want to, I want to get your thoughts on like how you feel about the outgoing players and and whether they should be leaving. I think I know your answer. I, I want to start with. Incoming. Yeah. yeah. I, well, <laughs> I,
1: th- I think, I think that takeover or not, this was going to be a pretty high turnover summer with all the expiring contracts and, um, and just kind of the age profiles of the players that are that are leaving, but um, I, I I think bringing in Ryan Sterling, who for the last four or five years, especially with Manchester City, has been very consistent, um, and more than anything else, his his finishing did get better over his career, and he comes into this team probably one of the three or four best finishers on the team and a team that that didn't have that much trouble creating chances last season but it was the finishing that has been the problem for his team for probably like two three seasons now which is why you kind of understood the interest in Rafinha as well who scored 11 goals for Leeds last season another guy who would have who would have come in and, and helped with the finishing issues but between Sterling, who is now you'd expect reach his like in his prime or so, even though I think he's played a lot he's played a lot of football already in his in his career um between him and Koulibaly coming in, who comes in as pretty much the rudiger replacement, but also at the same time, you're probably looking at a guy who down the road probably replaces. Tiago Silva, whenever the, that cyborg like breaks down, like at some point he's got to like break down. But no, um, yeah, I, th- I think there's not a lot Chelsea could do going into this. Summer. like the new owners took over like the end of May or middle of May or something like that. And then immediately you have the transfer window and they have to, and you have to sort out all of this stuff. And I, I just, I don't think it was possible for Chelsea to get moves done any quicker than they, did realistically and uh as for the outgoing players it's kind of all the players you expected to go i I, especially once the sanctions happened like it made it really difficult to keep any of the defenders who were coming on the last bits of their contract like christensen and uh rudiger so I think the, it's, it's a transitional I – I don't like to use the word transition. It's just a high turnover summer, really, more than anything else. And you're going to see the – there's no other team in the top six that will probably have as much movement. But no, you, could, you could put Tottenham. Tottenham did bring in a lot of players and are bringing in a lot of players themselves. So two teams that are actually shaking up a lot compared to what, how they ended the season in terms of like the squad. So that'll be really interesting to
0: see. You mentioned Tottenham, which I hadn't even thought about. Um, I've yet to see Richarlison, like, play in any of these friendlies yet, but I did see one video of one of their training sessions um, out, and I believe they're in South Korea, um, Yeah, to my knowledge. And I saw one of the training sessions where literally all of them are just sprinting, like, <laughs> back and forth, full field. Like, first off, giving me PTSD. But more so, like, they were all gassed by the end of it and just looking horribly tired. Um, but outside of Spurs, I forgot, for example, Lukaku left Chelsea. Yeah. And of those outgoing players, do you think there's any one of those that you would have liked to have kept around? Um, of those both likely and confirmed leaving already? Because... I think we were expecting, to your point, a lot of turnover from Chelsea, but at the same time, like, that doesn't mean that these players do not have some value or quality. Um, Let's put the two Spanish players aside for a second because there could be (laughs) inherent bias between the two of us. But, um, yeah, I'd I'd be curious to hear if, like, you think that any of those players could have or should have been, you know, kept around.
1: Yeah, I mean I think Rudiger is the is the main one that probably would have liked him to stay and then in a perfect world same thing with Christensen just from an age profile point of view, but yeah. Yeah, those are probably the two. Outside of that, I think I think everything else would be expected I think pre-sanctions you probably would have guessed that Marcus Alonso and I, I, Marcus alonso for sure you would have expected that the team tried to move him on they've tried to do it for the last two years um and then it's probably quite uh i guess you know i guess. that's an interesting one but i i don't know i don't have much we, we can talk a bit more about that if you want when we get to kind of the the layman's terms of explaining the barcelona stuff right now <laughs> but um yeah no I, I i think yeah rudiger and christensen would have been the two
0: that's fair uh, I feel like, yeah, just I will say if you had to take a trade, or if I had to take a trade, and I'm sitting in your shoes of letting Rudiger Christensen go, Christensen go and bringing in Koulibaly and Kempembe. I'm taking that deal personally. I'm taking that deal because I think, I think that first off, having a manager like Tuchel who's worked with Kempembe, um, that already brings a little a level of comfort, but more so. Koulibaly and Kimpembe, I think, are pretty different profiles and bring like necessary skill sets to to Chelsea right now. Like, I don't think Rudiger, or like for me at least, Rudiger is not like a ball carrying center back by any stretch. Uh, to no,
1: I, I gotta say, I, I completely disagree with Do, that. You, yeah, okay. I've watched him. I've watched him. Yeah, no, he, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's him. totally fine. I, I just I don't think but of him as I get what you're that. Saying. Yeah, I, I'm not saying he's not capable of it. Yeah. Um, I think when I think of Rudiger, I the first image that comes in my head is I forget which game it was last season where he scored and just kept continuing to try and do it over and over again. Oh but, yes. Like, yeah, the Redford but, game. Yeah, it's the Redford like game Thank Four you. one. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, scored
1: yeah. it and the game went all downhill from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I do think the <laughs> cut that was hilarious. Um <laughs> I, I think of him as more of like basically like a physical presence in the back, um, both in terms of height and in terms of strength and Koulibaly to me from what I've watched about Napoli has been very cool, common collected. Like I, in the games against, you know, PSG when they've played Napoli um, in the past, like he has been so common and collected in the way that he's tracked down players like Mbappe, et cetera. Um, I'm not saying Rudiger doesn't have that. For example, I'm not saying Christensen doesn't have that same level of quality. I do think that there's a hint of edge and speed. I think there's an edge in balance. Um, so I'm I'm taking that deal. Long story short, but enough yeah. about my rants about uh, Chelsea's in incoming yeah. and outgoing th- players. Well I,
1: I was just gonna say, like, just to quickly end the the Chelsea harvest. If I know we've gone on along with this, but <laughs> um, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, Koulibaly has the longer track record of consistency, whereas Rudiger has the last basically since Tuchel came in and and playing only in the back three too, which is where I'm really interesting interested to see what really to see how he does in the back four again because that was a very different player. Um, but anyway, Elias. <laughs> The much more entertaining, interesting, perplexing story of the summer transfer window has been all of the transfer activity around Barcelona right now. A team that we were told for months were in a lot of debt, and I mean, I think they still are. No, but yeah, let's not. Yeah, they are. But. Yet this summer, it seems like they're going to end up being potentially one of the highest spending teams in in Europe. Um, yeah. The question on everyone's mind, Elias, is how.
0: Yeah, that's been on my mind <laughs> for the last <laughs> like several weeks, um, especially as news of Rafinha's uh, signing. Came through, I believe, this morning. Uh, I was at the gym this morning and I don't get notifications in my gym because there's no service. And I just came back and it was just like a sofa score notification, like Rafinha, it's a Barcelona. I was like, oh God. <laughs> like, it's like, I tweeted this out yesterday, but I just feel like that kid who's like on the calculator, like typing shit up and gets to the point where he sees the number and he looks at it and he's like, oh my God. Like, that's what Barcelona must be doing right now. Like, they must be in the addition phase. But let me actually see if I can break it down for you, Rian. Um, Because it is very complicated, I'll be honest. Like, it's not easy to fully grasp even myself. So part of what I'm about to go through probably needs some tweaks. But this is the most, like, oversimplified version of how I understand things. We all know Barcelona are in heavy debt, right? We all know that they are at some point they were upwards of a billion dollars uh excuse me a billion euros uh in debt that is to different financiers, i.e goldman sachs um etc i mean list goes on and on but long story short every year barcelona's fiscal year ends and begins on june 31st slash july 1st that's when things basically reset And on July 1st of every year, Barcelona have what they call budgetary targets that basically need to be at a certain level um, every year in order for them to turn a profit, um, which they legally, I believe, must do. Now, the issue that they ran into leading up to the end of June is that the club's salary limit was minus 144 million euros. That is the only negative figure in the entirety of La Liga. Like, think about it. You are over your salary limit. Think about like financial fair play, or if you're, if we're in the States, think about like salary cap in the NFL. Like that is, you're at, you're in a negative balance. You are, you're spending too much. And a salary limit is something that can change. It's made up of different things, like transfer fees, amortizations, wages. It's basically in long story short, like what can a club afford on the income that they make against the expenses that they have? And it's, it's made up. It's different for each club in La Liga. The general rule of thumb is that no more than 60% of a club's income should be used towards your player salaries. Fun fact, right before Messi left, of course, famously last summer, Barcelona's salary uh, salary um, spend was over 100% of their income. That is, that is a true statement. It was over 100%. It's now obviously significantly less than that, but it was outrageous at some point. Now, let me go back to the the piece about um, the budgetary targets being uh, in the positive. If Barcelona did not meet those criteria by June 30th, which was now about two weeks ago, they cannot register players, period. Like the La Liga system will literally not let them do it. And they they have to essentially have a positive budgetary target or salary limit before they're even able to register anybody. You can, get, you can get around that in different ways, for example, like the Arthur and Pjanic swap, right? Like that was a creative way to get around it about a year and a half ago, whenever it was. Um, didn't, it was just a way to cook the books. And we all we all thought that was a, like some accounting <laughs> thing when it happened yeah, too, Yeah, right? 100%, 100%. So you're with me so far? Because I'm trying to go through yes. it. Okay. Right now though, Barcelona is spending 560 million euros on wages per year. That is- Just pre-signings like Christensen, Kessier, all that. Right now, they're spending 560 million euros uh, per year on wages. They cannot add to this amount. They need to get rid of at least 140 million euros from that wage uh, bucket, essentially. And they cannot add to their wages without demonstrating savings if they want to register players, and I'll get to uh, that rule in a second. So what have Barcelona done? In order for them to actually generate money quickly, which they do need to do, and they did this towards the end of June, they effectively had to erase the negative salary limit by demonstrating an increased cash flow, right? Basic macroeconomics, essentially. So what did they do? They did two things. One, the Spotify sponsorship deal. Over the course of four years, they're getting $280 million from uh, – I keep using dollars, excuse me. But the euro is equivalent mm-hmm. to the dollar now. Yeah, so- yeah it is interchangeable <laughs> at yeah. this very moment. Yeah, we, yeah, we could have be- parity there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, sponsor- Spotify sponsored a deal, four years, $280 million euros. Secondly, they sold 10% of their La Liga TV revenue over the course of 25 years to a private company that basically gave them an influx of cash of a little over 200 million euros in the future. They want to sell off about another 15% for closer to like 400 million euros to basically get more cash when needed. Um, and they're also looking at selling off their privatized merchandising and licensing companies for just under 50% uh, ownership. So they activated and, and, those two what they call wait, sorry, I was just. To, yes 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 on
1: the on the merchandising one from what i understand like are they they do have the possibility to buy back those shares at some point so correct?
0: funny enough with with the tv rights let me clarify that it's a La Liga TV rights, not Champions League TV uh, money. I think those are different um, buckets of money, but they don't have the opportunity to buy that, buy out essentially of those, of those contracts, because those contracts from like a La Liga TV revenue perspective will continually change like year over year. Right. So let's say randomly next year, Barcelona get Double the amount of money from La Liga for their TV rights. Right now, they make about 16 million, um, I believe, uh, per year, something like that. Let's say they make 32. All that 32 is going to, um, or no, sorry, excuse me. 160, right? Yes, they, they make yeah. hundreds of, but let me clarify 16 million euros is 25%, basically what they sold off. So they will be losing out year over year, 16 million euros. If that doubles, they, they don't see any portion of that. Like it's 25% or whatever it is, 10% for how yeah. many? 25 years. I, this is why it's, it gets so complicated. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm, getting, I'm getting to pro- probably the most important part of all of this, right? Barcelona were able to turn a profit for the financial year. As a result of selling off all of these privatized assets, they turned a profit come July 1st. So what does that mean? How do we sign and register players? Like that's the, the, the like crux of all of this. The worrying part is that even though if you add up all of those levers as we're, as they call them, it totals to about a little under 600 million euros in new cash, but that might not even be enough because if you take Barcelona's salary limit of minus 144 million euros and their actual salaries of 560 million euros, which they aim to reduce By to about 400 million, they would need 704 million euros to generate a positive salary uh, cap, basically, or a positive balance, if you want to call it that. So how are they trying to basically save additional money? That's why you're seeing the de Jong rumors. That's why Barcelona are in a position to essentially sell one of their most valuable assets. That's why Sergio Roberto had to renew on reduced wages. That's why Dembélé is now apparently going to be resigned on 40% of his wages. They have to cut their existing salary uh, spend. And that's what they're trying to do. Now, there's an out. If they fall short of actually basically falling into a positive balance, they can still spend money because there is a La Liga rule that basically says, and it was put in place during COVID, but it basically is a 4-to-1 rule. That says, if you can offload a player or demonstrate savings of 10 million euros, for example, you can invest 2.5 additional million euros. So that's basically how Barcelona are looking to leverage uh, deals to sign players like Rafinha, Lewandowski, Koundé. It's the only way to do it. And oh, by the way, the Rafinha deal, that was 56 million euros, whatever it was that's going to be paid in several installments. That is not going to hit the books as 56 million euros. And I guarantee you that the others are probably in the same boat. I went on for a long rant and I apologize. It's the best way that I can explain it. That's the only way that Barcelona are able to essentially sign and potentially register players. Although they have not registered um, everybody that they've signed so far.
1: Yeah. I believe they still haven't registered Christensen or, or Kessier yeah yep. right yeah
0: correct correct
1: <laughs> I, I i find all this extremely fascinating um uh to clarify earlier i, I think i I, w- I meant to say the
0: merchandising
1: shares that they're giving off they can buy back not the uh the oh TV.
0: oh okay got it got it um yeah i believe that is the case if you read that then you know more about that than i do because i was not aware of that um but, but I can, yeah, I can either, understand why.
1: Either either way, like what what's happening right now is they are more or less getting secured loans, and yes. and, and kind of mortgaging future earnings for what like transfers over the next two seasons, pretty much. Yeah,
0: it's. Yeah. Uh, it's I mean. This is does this, this feel is much what, different
1: than what the business. I know Bart bartimeo was actually terrible, very, very <laughs> terrible at all this, and he's the reason that we're that you're in this situation. Yeah. But, um, I guess in pure you know, thinking like, uh, short to long term thinking, it feels a lot like the last regime,
0: yeah. So, I think a lot of people feel that way and basically are looking at Barcelona like, when are you going to? Go and become solvent, like that's the next step. I feel like in all of this, but the reason that I would say this feels different is because I think that there is a long-term vision still associated with the Laporta's um, basically board. I think that some of the signings don't still don't personally don't make sense to me. I don't, I don't think Rafinha was necessarily necessary if Dembélé was going to sign on reduced wages, for example. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Or 50 million euros. Or 50 million euros. (laughs) Right, 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 exactly. So there are still things that concern me, but the fact that they had to sell assets of the club and change the name of the stadium and enter Hmm. into a sponsorship deal, all of those were necessities. they were their means to an end. And that's different from before when those type of decisions wouldn't have been made. There would have been swanky financial book cooking type situations that would have covered I think a lot of the mistakes that the previous board had made to make them essentially look good. This is basically doing and covering up the damage um and, and trying to actually not cover up but repair repair the damage. Yeah. It's
1: it's an interesting one I mean because ultimately they are betting on future on sporting success and to I mean, they're just betting on sporting success, and and it remains to be seen. I think we both feel really good about Xavi as a coach, but Barcelona's most successful period, especially over the last few decades, um, coincided with uh, having, at worst, the second best player in the sports history. And, and, that's, and that's not something you can rely on. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, the, the history of Barcelona's winning league titles pre Messi is not as dominant as it has been as we've seen in the last fifteen years. So that's that's kind of the the bet right now, and um, they might be. It remains to be seen whether whether they'll be right, but you know the, this this is quite a gamble in my in my opinion. It but.
0: is. It is. What what? It's it's still a short term think it's it's still short-term thinking in terms of like how much success can we have as a club in the short term in order to justify some of this spend when we're still kind of kicking some problems down the road like remember deferred wages during covid when every everything <laughs> hit like yeah. that's going to come back at some point like you will have to pay that back barcelona um i think they owe pk like 40 million euros something insane the,
1: the, um, the haggling over De Jong right now, right? It's the haggling over the 17 Young. million euros? Yeah, and, and
0: I mean, to De jong's point, he doesn't have to do anything in this. Like, he is not at fault at all. He is caught in the middle of a bad situation. Um, so, yeah, there's still, there's still a lot of things to fix. This is not a good situation, let me be clear. But I think they are hoping that with the su- success on the field, with the improvements of the team that this team can become competitive in the short term um in in some way i'm not saying they're going to win the champions league <laughs> but like if they can w- make a push for la liga i think i think that's still what success looks like for me right now yeah
1: of course of course and, and what what needs to happen is that a consistent push for la liga over over, yeah. over time not just one or two seasons right so yep yep 100% um, Fascinating situation, but uh, <laughs> I, I think I think that's we, we've done a lot of rambling on our two teams. That I, I think those are probably the biggest stuff that's going on in, in transfer window right now. Obviously, the the two best teams in Europe in terms of Man City and Liverpool did their business so early that we already got to speak about it, like the last time that we spoke. So uh, yeah, the, 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 I think outside of that another season of Premier League teams, not just the top ones, spending a lot of money. And we're seeing again that even the mid table teams are good at and about spending a lot of teams in Europe, period. Not just there's not just um, I think in England. So we're in a, we're in an interesting time now because we're two you years on unprecedented. from the pandemic. Yes. Unprecedented <laughs> time. We're two years on <laughs> from the pandemic and this was supposed to be the first Win, transfer window where everyone was somewhat able to spend and, and whatnot but it still feel, it feels like there's a lot of teams trying to get rid of players and that is still really hard right now
0: yeah and I, let me add one last thing there is nothing worse than trying to get rid of players when everyone knows you're broke yes trust me <laughs> trust me
1: uh, well, I think that just about wraps it up for for today. I think it, was,
0: I think it does. I think we get
1: out of here and we can both go eat dinner.
0: Yeah, that sounds fantastic. I'm gonna go put my feet up. Um, are you watching anything right now? By the way, I meant to ask you earlier.
1: Um, just finished the boys. Uh, oh, season three. The boys.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was that was that was <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and, okay, um, I haven't gotten into it because not not that it looks too gory from what like my old It's extremely mate. gory. Like yeah. mo- like like as much mo- whatever level of gore you think it is, it is more than that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Just like a, it's just the primer. It's probably on the level of Game of Thrones, I would probably say.
1: It's more. It's more, honestly. It's more gory. Game of Thrones had a lot of nudity, had way more nudity than than The Boys does. The Boys has pretty little nudity actually. But uh way more gore way more
0: great yeah so that's been the major reason why i haven't watched it <laughs> um i've i'm trying to watch there's a new um i think it's on hulu is it called the old man heard of it yeah yeah I heard that's yeah. getting really good reviews that's what i want to watch because i love i love like spy stuff like action stuff mm. like that's that's up my alley so things with jeff bridges that's what i'm gonna watch
1: yeah yeah jeff
0: bridges yeah so well anyway have a great rest of the night on standing in front of your TV, <laughs> 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 which is just outrageous. But anyway, we will be back in the next couple of weeks talking every, every one of the results from the women's Euros, um, some of the hopefully conclusive details from whatever Barcelona do and whatever the rest of the men's transfer window uh, holds for all of us. So with that, we're probably a little less than a month away from the season starting. We'll come three back and a in a half a week. Yeah, That's and and insane. Weeks. Yeah, for, for England, I should say. For, for I
1: England, believe England, yeah. Germany, and France all, all begin um, August 5th.
0: Well, we'll come back and talk about a season preview, talk about our teams to look out for, all that in a couple weeks. But with that, talk to you guys soon.
1: Thanks, guys.